Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you We just want to welcome all of you guys, and and, um, obviously, if no one's told you yet, if you haven't heard, happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. Um, We hope that your weekend and your day is filled with love. I hope you feel the love. Um, I hope you could give even more love from that mother that you are. Um, We're just so grateful um, for our moms today, and we just want to honor them. Hopefully, you took some pictures, you had some food, some juice. Uh, but make sure you do that. You received your gift. If not, make sure you receive your gift at the end. We just want to thank you for that. Um, as we get into Mother's Day, I kind of paused last week, and I paused on purpose in my message because I wanted to keep the last part of last week's me- message. I wanted to share it today. Um, for you guys that weren't here last week, we went over one of our codes in the message, and it was titled, We're Not Normal to Be Remarkable. And I just thought that it would be such a beautiful and opportune time to let moms know it's okay. You're not normal. (laughs) Moms, you just, you heard me? I said, you're not normal. When I say you're not normal, I'm not speaking down to you. I would never disrespect you like that. What I'm trying to say is you're, you're more than that. You're called to be remarkable. And that's what you are, moms. You are remarkable. Amen? I know, my, I know my wife, she's not here right now. She's actually taking care of some of your kids on Mother's Day. Amen? But I know that my wife is a fantastic mother. And I know there's a lot of great moms in this room, but I can't think of a greater mom than Nancy. My mom, I can't think of a greater mother for me and my sister than my mom. What she instilled, what she sacrificed, what she gave for us, there's no words that could express how we feel. My mother is a remarkable mother, and I still fall short with words. And my wife is a remarkable wife, mother, wife too. But this is about Mother's Day. And my words still fall short. How many of you have a remarkable mother close to you? Amen? I hope they felt that. How many of you have a remarkable mother close by to you? All right, all right. The reason why I wanted to, and I'm not going to take too long today, because I know we all have our things to do, so I'm going to be very brief today. But the reason why I wanted to share this last part of last week's message, it's because as we were sharing to the church that you're not called to be normal, you're called to be remarkable, we broke down, we were breaking down or on our way to break down three words. The first word that we broke down is the word in remarkable. We grabbed some words that are found in that word, and we looked at the word remark. 
and we defined the word remark, and we said that remark means to note again, and we strengthen the church, we encourage the church that in Christ there is an again in you. If not, what was, the resurre- what was the resurrection for? What is redemption for if it's not to save us and make us a new creation? There is an again in me. Can you say there is an again in me? There is an again in you. So you're called in this grace, this remark to note again. Then we grab the word mark in the word remarkable. And we said the word mark means that there is a visible impression. There is a trace on you. And in the physical, it may, you know, we, we could see a line, a dent, a bruise, a cut, a stain. And we know that something happened in that place because evidence through that dent or stain or whatever it is shows that there was an impact, that something happened. We spoke about the lamb, the sheep that separates from the shepherd and then they have to, their legs are broken by their shepherd once they're found again. Scripture says he's such a good shepherd. He leaves the 99 for the one. And he breaks the leg and he puts it around his shoulders, on his shoulders, and he walks back to the sheepfold. And as he walks back to the sheepfold and the um, lamb heals, you'll always know which is the sheep that's leg was broken, that went astray and came back because it's the one who walks differently than the other and the one that's always closest to the shepherd. So there's a mark in you. Hopefully, you've experienced that where you've been broken by the Spirit of God and now you walk closer to the Lord than you ever have. If you haven't, today's your day to be marked by God. And you're probably here like, I don't want my leg broken, him carrying me on his shoulders, and then, you know, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. Scripture says it's better to go to heaven with one eye missing than with both eyes into hell. Scripture says it's better to go in with one hand than with both hands into hell. So it's worth it sometimes when the breaking happens so that way we could say we're closer to Jesus than we've ever been. Amen? All the, all the people that have been broken, you know what I'm talking about. Talk to us. We'll talk to you about our brokenness. We spoke about the word mark. Today what I would like to do is In the word remarkable, there's a third word that I want to focus on today, and it's the word able. And I want you to know that in this part of the message from last week, I'm going to share it this week on Mother's Day, and I'm going to tell the whole church, and especially moms, those that want to be moms, and those that, uh, man, whatever you've gone through in in, in your womanhood, wherever we're at, but also to all the men in here, here it is. You are Able. Don't ever think for once that you're not able. You know, we believe in these scriptures. The, the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead lives in me, right? Two people believe in that scripture in this church. And we always know when to quote it. When we're having a powerful moment, when we're praying for someone. You are more than able when you're not feeling it and when you're feeling it, when it's rainy outside and when it's sunny, you are able because the spirit of the living God dwells inside of you. You're able. You're able. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. You're able. 
So I want to share with you on this Mother's Day, but it's a message for the whole church, but moms, take as much as you can from it and be encouraged because as a mom, don't quit. As a mom, whatever pain, whatever struggles, whatever ups, whatever downs, whatever it is, you are able as a mom. God gave you that calling. God gave you those rewards, that gift, your children, and trust me, he's put in you a ministry that you are able to fulfill until the day you go to be with him. You'll never cease being a mom. Even when they become parents, you'll always be their mother. You'll see, they'll ask you questions about parenting later on in their years. You'll still mother them with gray hairs or no hairs. You'll always be a mother. Ask a more elder mom and she'll tell you, I've never ceased being a grandmother. They become a mother, but they become grandmothers and they will always be mothers to their children. Amen? Amen? You are able. Can you say that? But say it to yourself, I am able. The word able means I have the necessary power. I love this, I love this definition with the word able. It means this, to be legally powered, legally empowered. To be legally empowered. If you've heard us ever go through our code, you've heard of me stress the legally empowerment of being able. And I'll get into that as we close up later. There's a passage in um, the book of Daniel that we, uh, we've, we've gone over here numerous times, and it's a, it's a famous story. If you've been in church for a long time, or maybe your kids that are now in church, they hear it from the moment that you're, that you're a child. You hear about the three Hebrews thrown into the fire. You've ever heard that story? And it's in Daniel chapter 3. The three Hebrews are introduced, and their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm probably pronouncing them wrong, but hey, at least I tried. I always change their name to Shad, Mish, and Abed. And you put them, look what it says, they put them in charge in this time that they're living, um, they put them in charge of the province of Babylon. All the Jews were taken from their homeland and they were taken into Babylon, into slavery and into a bunch of other stuff. But these three Hebrew men found favor upon the Babylonians and upon those that were in leadership and the king. And they put them in charge It says in verse 12 of chapter 3, as they put them in charge and they were doing their duties, the king of Babylon decided to say, hey, I'm going to build a god, a god, this structure, this god, and whenever I play instruments, whoever does not bow down to this god, I'm going to arrest them and throw them into prison or something like that. I'm going to throw them into a fire. So some of the people that are jealous because of these Hebrew men finding favor upon the Babylonians, the music is played and they're, and they're, and they're look, listen, what am I trying to tell you? When you serve God, people's eyes are going to be on you and watch out because some of the eyes that are on you, they're, sometimes they're meant to bring you down, to tell on you. One slip up and watch, watch, I'm going to call you out on it. Well, these guys had a whole other agenda. These guys wanted them gone, wanted them killed. So they go up to the king in chapter 3, verse 12, and they said this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods, and they do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. (laughs) What do you call these people? We call them snitches. 
We'll stay there. Let's just stay right there. Snitches is good. They're now worshiping your God. So here's Nebuchadnezzar. He's introduced to us in verse 13 today. And as he's introduced to us, watch the king of Babylon be the king of Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. And he ordered that the three Hebrews be brought before him. And when they brought them in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods, to worship the gold statue that I have set up. Is it true? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then, look what he says next. And then, what will God, think about this for a moment, what will God be able, what will he be able to do? Will he be able to rescue you? What God will be able to rescue you from my power, says King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, when I, when I read this, I highlight this, and I say, man, those are some bad choices. Bad choice of words to use. Bad choice of words. I'm going to play the music again. You're going to bow down and you're going to do as I say and worship my God. If you don't do it, what God, listen to the word he chooses, will be able to save you from my power. All right, that's Daniel chapter 3. Let's keep reading. The next verse says this, so the three Hebrews answered and said to the king, our turn to speak, king. May we speak. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, look what they say. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, if that is, if what you say is the case, if you're going to play instruments and you want people to bow down, and if they don't, you're going to throw them into the fire. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. How many of you would say amen to that statement? Amen. What did they say? The God whom we serve is what? He's able. He's able. That's a very important statement. Moms, let me just talk to you for a moment. You've ever prayed for something, moms? And you've had this faith? And you said, the God that I serve is able to do this. And you walked in it trusting the Lord. He is able. How many moms have been there before? How many of you that have walked with Jesus for any amount of time, have been there before. You've cried out for something. You believed in something. My God is able to save me from these fires. How many of you? Show of hands. I'll be one of them. I'm one of them. I've said that. I've said the same words in my heart to God and to whatever I'm confronting. Have you ever believed that, declared that, prayed that, and then it didn't happen? That, that could mess with somebody's theology right now. 
Because now I could ask you and say, so do you still believe in the power of prayer? And let's, ho- let's have a whole discussion about prayer. I want to mess with some of you guys in the way you view God. Because I've been there where I've prayed for something. God is able. I've walked through. I was like, uh-oh, I thought God was going to do it. But maybe it's because God wants to draw something deeper out of us. Maybe he wants something more pure to come out from us. Because maybe God doesn't want to just, everything that you ask for to be done, but he wants hmm, that your prayer is not so that everything could be answered, but your prayer may be for hmm, you to be more transformed. Maybe your prayer life is more for your transformation than it is for God's answers in your life. Our God, who we serve, is able to save us from the fire. You, would, you agreed with me that that was an amazing statement, yes? And you also agreed with me that many of you have also been there as well, yes? Guess what they did? They didn't stop there. Because that statement was not enough. It would be incomplete if they ended there. The statement had a second part to it. And here it is. Flow with me for a second. And catch this for yourselves. Our God is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, they said. In verse 17. We have it up there? Watch the next verse. Well, I mean, watch the continue of that verse. There's a comma. He will rescue us from your power. Keep going. But, my translation here says, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Verse 18, but if not, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. I want you to see what the three Hebrew boys just did there, men just did there. They said, look, first off, King Nebuchadnezzar, there's one thing that you should know. Our God is able to save us from your fires. There ain't nothing that my God can't do. But if he doesn't save us and he decides it's not his will, I want you to know that we're willing to be put to death rather than serving your God. That brought out something purer. Something more greater than anything else they said because they were at a point that they were saying we would die for our God before justifying our lives to bow down to yours. So if the three Hebrews did this years ago, I'm telling you today that you are able. We know the rest of the story and if you don't, you should know he gets mad. The, the, The instruments play. They don't bow down. He cranks up the fire about seven times harder. He throws them into the fire. The very man and guard that threw them in, he himself dies because the fire is too much. Some time passes. He says, go check on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They go check on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, how are they? Are they torched? Have they melted? 
And they said, no, actually they're dancing and singing songs and the three of them are doing really well, but there's a problem. There's someone else that got inside the tank with them. There's a fourth one and he's in the image of the son of God and they're all dancing together. I believe that the revelation that they were ready to die for Jesus, even if that's what it took, man, brought something. Imagine the heart of God and the heart of heaven saying, these young men are willing to die for me. I'm going to go in there and dance with them. And the, the very presence of the Lord is dancing with them. And I think about these three Hebrews. I think about myself. I think about all of us. And I say, man, we are so able that we have a God that not only rescues us from the fires of life, but he stands with us in the fires. Because sometimes the Lord won't just rescue you from your fire. Moms, how many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? But he has shown you, I'll be with you in the fire. You asked for that healing, but watch, I'm going to hold your hand in the sickness. And he shows you parts of his heart that he's never shown you because he walked with you and he danced with you in the fire. You've gone through some of the Christians, man. You've gone through some of the darkest moments maybe of your lives, but you've recognized that the Lord is with you in the hardest of fires in your life. And when you recognize that, you will notice how able you are to be the person that God's called you to be. Whether they're telling you to do something that it that you know you stand against, you'll be able to confront that thing. You'll be able to, to lift up the standard of Christ in the fire with the Lord. You will come to know that you have the necessary power, that you are qualified in him. As we shared last week, you are unusual. You're act, you actually extraordinary and worthy of notice because of the one that lives in you. We said last week, you are not normal. King, you're telling me that no one is able to save me from you, but I'm not serving your gods. King, do not tell me what my God is not able to do. I've had people tell me in my life, I don't know if you should do that. Do you think God's able? Do you think you're able? Listen, the God that we serve is able to deliver us and also able to stand with us in whatever fires. He said, they say to him, but if not, let it be known, we will not serve your gods. This is a calling to be rooted in our God. A calling to be sure in whom we serve. Knowing that, man, we are more than able in him. We have the necessary power. So listen to this. There are times that the Lord is present, but it seems like he doesn't make himself accessible to you. All to see that if we make ourselves accessible to him. Can you imagine being the three Hebrews on the way to the furnace? Oh, 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 oh this is really going to happen. And they get thrown into the furnace. And right then and there, the Lord appears to them in the furnace, catches them and says, let's dance. Thank you for making yourself accessible to me. If you know the rest of the story, Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar, they're like, hey, we're going to change some laws. They go back to the drawing table. They make some erase. They, they erase some laws, and they say, this is the one true God. Everyone serve the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? Because they made themselves available to him, even if it meant their own lives. I want you all to know this, that you are legally empowered. 
Let's look at Jesus and the disciples or the followers in Acts for a moment. Jesus resurrects on the third day. Maybe you know that story, but if you don't, he died on the cross. He was buried on the third day. He resurrected. And when Jesus resurrected on the third day, it's seen by many. In Acts chapter 1, verse, thir- uh, verse 3, it says this. He appeared to the apostles. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to, to so many. And from time to time, he would do this. The apostles were in a room one time and he even told Thomas, touch my scars. He proved to them in many ways that he was alive. After his death, burial, and then his resurrection, he came back and proved himself. And when he came back, he continued to talk to them about the kingdom of God. I want you to listen to this. Seven weeks after Jesus resurrected, seven weeks after his resurrection, it was on the 50th day. It's called the day of Pentecost. We see the birth of the church and a turn of events happens in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is somber maybe. Jerusalem is sad. There's Christians that are hiding in their homes. They're doing underground church. There's a lot going on. They're scared. They just killed their leader. But some 50 days later, Jesus tells his disciples in verses four and five of Acts one, listen to this. He says, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When the disciples hear this, they ask Jesus in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, they say, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? Are we going to do it, God? Are we going to take over Rome? The disciples didn't get it. They were thinking physically, carnally. Oh my gosh, here's Jesus. He's back. He resurrected. He's stronger than ever, for sure. We're going to fight now. We're going to rally an army. We're going to start a rebellion. We're going to capture Israel once and for all. We're going to drive the Romans back to Caesar, back to Rome. Lord, is it time for you to free Israel and restore, look at their words, our kingdom. Amazing. Again, choice of words. They want him to do a work. And that they will reap benefits from it. You free them and restore our kingdom. I I read Acts chapter 1. I say, oh my gosh, I could sound just like these disciples. Lord, you do this. You save them. You give me. You make this happen. Lord, you free Israel, they said. And restore my kingdom, our kingdom. These disciples' hearts were, we want to be part of the work, part of the process in freeing Israel. We want you to do all these things, but we want our part to be, give us our kingdom. Look at verse 7. Jesus replies, and he says this. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. Jesus is telling his disciples this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to listen to that because from here I'm going to wrap this up and I'm going I'm to paint the last picture for you. Jesus, do a miracle. Jesus established our kingdom, and Jesus is like, hey, that's not for anyone to say. But this is what's going to happen, verse 8. You're going to receive power 
The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, and you will tell everyone about me everywhere. And they're like, well, where's everywhere? He says, it's going to start here in Jerusalem, and then it's going to spread all throughout Judea, all throughout Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Who would have thought that Jesus had Hylia in his mind? <laughs> Westchester, where I'm from, in his mind. How was he going to touch Hialeah and Westchester? How was he going to touch Broward County and Dade County and countries that we didn't even know of yet? How, did, how was he going to how was he going to save those nations to be? He says, well, it's when they receive power. When they receive power by the Holy Spirit, that's when it's going to happen. They're going to be my witnesses. So I started to think about this, and I said, could it be that the lack of people being witnesses of you throughout the ends of the earth is because there's a lack of power and a lack of the Holy Spirit living in them? We have the answer right here in Acts chapter 1. We lack witnesses because we lack the Holy Spirit filling us, empowering us. He says, this is how we're going to do it. In verse 8, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You will be my witness and you will tell people about me everywhere. What is he telling his disciples who moments before this were terrified and scared, went back to their trade, went back to their careers to fish again, went back to homes to be fearful again. These are Christians that saw people like Lazarus be raised from the dead. These are people that saw leprosy be healed. These are people that saw blind see, that saw the lame walk, that saw the deaf hear. I'm talking about they saw signs, wonders, and miracles and when Jesus dies they go back to fishing and hiding in a room I want you to think about that what is Jesus telling them he says your old life is done I am making you able I am legally empowering you to free people everywhere and to begin to build my kingdom the disciples thought, oh my God, great, God is going to finally build his earthly kingdom. And Jesus is like, no, you haven't gotten in it yet. You're building an eternal kingdom. For every single individual that's in here as we end, I want you to know this. You know why you're not normal? You know why you're called to be remarkable? Moms, you know why your motherhood is not normal? Why your motherhood is called to be remarkable? Because what you do is not just for earth. What we do has eternity always in the forefront. Has the kingdom of heaven always in the forefront. It's always in our minds. The message that Jesus preached when he was here was what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And here we are. And what are we saying? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Disciples were like, let's go. Let's go kill them all. And Jesus says, no, man. You're going to build my eternal kingdom. Oh, man, I found this. I should have put it on the screen. I, I didn't think about it. I'll destroy Rudy right now if I do that to him. But it was a hand drawing of, I don't know if you guys saw it, 
it was surfacing throughout social media. It was a drawing of every single disciple and how each one of them died. One was hung upside down, one was burned, one was snapped in half, one was cut in pieces, one died of old age but was tortured. That's John. They all suffered for Jesus. But they all fulfilled this verse. They all fulfilled the verse that they had the power of the Holy Spirit and they were all witnesses to the ends of the earth for Jesus. Thomas is known to take the gospel to um, India and they speared him in the side and killed him. To the ends of the earth, they took the gospel of Jesus. And then when they get to eternity, they're like, Jesus, did you trick us? We all died for you, all of us. And Jesus is like, yeah. Now come here. Moms, sometimes you sacrifice so much and you're like, man, will I ever see a reward for what I do on earth? And Jesus says, you will. Come here. Maybe you've been following the Lord and you're like, man, will I ever see a reward for what I've done for God, like for, for, for walking in God? And the Lord's like, continue to the end. You will. Come here. So these disciples were beheaded, were burned, were cut in pieces. Very horrific things happened to them. And now their new bodies, their glorified bodies, they come into heaven. They say, Lord, there you are. Did you hear what happened to us on earth? And he's like, I was there with you. And Peter's like, it's true. I was worshiping him on the way to the cross. When they were hanging me upside down, I was singing, oh, glorious cross. But he says this to him. Come here, let me show you something. Watch this, guys, and we'll wrap it up. We're done. Jesus says to them, surely I say to you in Matthew 19, 28, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Here they are, they got killed for Jesus, but little did they know that their ministry on earth was gonna speak for the rest of eternity. In Revelation, I'll give you another scripture, chapter 21, verse 14, it says, now the wall of the city If you're asking, well, what city and what wall? I'm talking about the new Jerusalem in which hopefully we will all be in one day. It says the wall of the city had, want to guess how many foundations? Twelve foundations. And on them were the names of, want to guess whose names are on them? The twelve apostles of the Lamb. I'm guessing the last one is Matthias because he kind of jumped in for Judas as a 12 apostle. But what I want you to see is this, is that their names are inscribed in eternity on the walls and on the foundations in the place and where you and I will call home forever. We will look at the names of those 12 apostles that took the word of God to the ends of the earth and died for Jesus. 
I want you to know this, that you are able. You're able not just to impact and leave a legacy in earthly things, but you're able to impact and leave a mark in the eternal things. And that's what I want in my life. I don't want my life just to be about earth, but I want that when I get into the kingdom of heaven, that Jesus could look at me and say these words, well done, good and faithful servant, and look at what the work of the Lord has done in eternity through you. All of this is yours. You are my beloved and I am yours. I want to hear those words. I want to hear those words. I was once asked by a mega, um, uh, uh, a mega church mega preacher. I was hanging out with him one day. And he looked at me and we were having small talk. And this very successful man with a very massive, massive church, beautiful church, massive church, has a huge following known all over the world. And he looks at me and he says, I want to ask you two questions. And I said, what is it? And he said, number one, who do you want to be in five years? And number two, are you happy right now? You probably heard me share this at some point. But those are funny questions to ask. Because I don't know necessarily who I want to be in five years. But I do know who I want to be in eternity. I do know who I want to be when I stand before my God face to face. I want him to open up the Lamb's book of life. And I want my name to pop out of those pages. And I want the Father to be there on his throne looking at me, his son. And says, Rigo, and Jesus steps into the scene and says, Daddy, Father, he is mine. And all that is mine is yours. He is one of ours. And the father says, son, then I'm well pleased. And the son looks at me and says, son, then, then we're all well pleased. And then I look at them and say, then I'm well pleased. And, and, and from there, I could enter into eternity. I, I might not know where I want to be in the next five years. Actually, I'm the kind of person that I'm not even sure what's going to happen tomorrow. But I do know that every single day, I need to be faithful. And I need to know that I am able to fulfill my calling on this specific day that the Lord has given me. And one day, I'm going to enter into eternity. And I'm going to receive the reward, the reward to live and to even if possible die for Jesus on earth because he is mine and I am his that's what I want for eternity I want that eternity has my name on it I want that eternity they sing songs of it I want that my children go to eternity with me I want that my children's children are in eternity with me I want this to be it I want it forever I want eternal life and I want to be in it forever I want to be in a place when I'm with Jesus and no one or nothing can ever separate me. But I know that while I'm on earth and I'm awaiting that great day, I know that I am more than able. Because you see me up here with this passion? The spirit of the living God is in me. And the spirit of the living God is in you. And if there's a fire, guess what? Jump in it if God calls you to jump in it. Why? Why would you ask us to do that? Because you'll run into him in that fire and he'll start dancing with you. And when you dance with God in fires, you come out of that fire more in love than you ever were before you entered it. Anyone here ever been in a fire? God met you there? How in love did you fall with God after you came out of that fire? Eternity will speak of those stories. Eternities will be filled with those stories. 
In our meetup in Kendall, I shared what my mom used to do. Praying for my bed, anointing my bed with oil, my pillow with oil. I don't know what my son is doing. I know it's not good, but when he comes back home, I pray that you would convict him of his sin. Little did she know I would come back home early in the morning and I would weep on my bed. Weep on my bed, not knowing why I was weeping. If I die, I'm going to hell. I was so convicted of my sin every night to to years later finding out that my mom was tormenting me, praying for my bed every day. What I'm telling you is that you're able. My mom had to go to the fire to finally birth the fire within me. She had to go through it. She had to. You're more than able. You are not normal. And now you know that I don't mean that in any way, but to lift you up to say you are so remarkable if you are in Christ. If you don't know Jesus here, if you don't walk intimately with him, you know what, I'm glad you're here today because the Lord wants to sear your heart, your soul, your spirit, and he wants you to walk so close to him. He wants you to read his word. He wants you to worship. He wants you to get in community. He wants to transform your life, and he wants you to know that you are more than able. What a beautiful gift from the Lord. What a beautiful gift. Romans 8 says, what then shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans, Paul, in chapter 8, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearl, should the sword as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we, we, we are not normal. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am remarkable because of that one who is Jesus Christ in me. Moms have a great Mother's Day. Church, have a great, wonderful day. And know that you are not normal. You are so remarkable. Nothing present, nothing past, nothing future will be able to destroy that which is alive and burning inside of you. You are a son and you are a daughter of the true and living God. Can you stand with me today? And this is what I would love to do. Lord, fill this place with your presence. Lord, fill this place with your grace. Every single one of us, strengthen every mother. That you will continue to give them hope and strength during this time. Strengthen every believer, the one who maybe is afar off. Bring them closer to you. Let us walk more intimately with you. 
But let us know today, Lord God, that we are remarkable, that we are more than able, that, Lord God, you are legally empowering us. The, the Holy Spirit is our seal, and we've been legally empowered to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You are, you are ours, and we are yours. So, church, as we close off, let's sing this song one last time. Lift up your voices. Lift up your heart. Lift up your praise and just tell the Lord, Lord, here I am. Use me. Lord, I'm more than able. Lord, consume me on this day. Come on, let's sing it one more time and pray that to the Lord. Lord, bless you. Put your arm around 
someone next to you, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your wife, maybe just put your arm around someone there, maybe you can touch your mom right alongside you, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this day, for Mother's Day, the ones that are present, Lord, the ones that we're going to go meet up with, Lord, I just ask that you would strengthen each mom. I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to give them strength and wisdom. We thank you for their sacrifice. We thank you for their lives. Lord, all the blessings that they pour out. Lord, I pray that you will continue to be with them as they pray so hard. I, I know what it's like, Lord, as I became a parent. Your prayer changes. You pray for your children more than anything. And we thank you for these moms that pray and serve and, and give of themselves. We ask that you would strengthen them during this time. And Lord, for every single one that maybe has lost a mom, that hears this, Lord, that you would be with them and comfort them and that you would be their comforter and that you would place your love and your compassion over their heart. For the one, like we prayed earlier, that desires to be a mom. Lord, I know that you are able as the three Hebrews said, to do this, Lord. So I pray that in whatever moment that they're in, if they're trying, that you would be there with them, that you would dance in that fire with them, and that you would reveal your goodness there with them, Lord, because you are more than able to do that. So Lord, we just thank you, Lord, and we love you for everyone else as we prayed that we would walk out of here legally empowered, knowing that we are able, knowing that we're remarkable, knowing that we have the word of God to take to the ends of the earth, knowing that everything we do on this earth, Lord, it has repercussions, it has eternity in mind. Let us be kingdom-minded. Let us have the kingdom of heaven in heart in all that we do. So Lord, we thank you, Lord, and we love you, we praise you, that we would have a wonderful fruitful day today and week ahead. It's in Jesus' name, and together we say, yes, Lord, and amen, amen, amen. Happy Mother's Day.